Hey folks, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. Whether it's your first time or you've been here since the beginning, we are thrilled to be a part of your spiritual walk and look forward to all that Christ is doing in your life. If you are looking for more information about Christ Church or you would like to connect with one of our pastors or ministry leaders, you can reach us on our website, ccgf.org. You can also connect with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Hey, didn't Pastor Mike do a fantastic job? Come on, that was awesome. You know, he was in a a number of different churches before he came here, and so have I been. And when you come into a new church, you really don't know the deal. And you come in, and I was impressed. I remember the first time I came, I must have screwed up two or three different times. So Pastor Mike, you did a great job. Welcome, and thank God you're here. Are you a Steeler fan? Whoa, I threw him under the bus. Hey, let's go Steelers, right? We all, we all love that, right? We're going to go do that today. Hey, if you're out in the cafe, if you leave here, I was just out there. They had some tremendous food. Even though we're going to go watch the game or you DVR'd it, go get some food. It's really good. Take it home with you. It was amazing. Well, we're going to continue in our series today. And in the series, it's talking about ordinary radicals. Ordinary radicals. And our passage is found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. And the title of the sermon is called, My Name is Jabez. What's your name? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for who you are. And I would just ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin. And that you would fill me with your spirit. That you'd speak through me to your people. And we as your people, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, all of us have had someone say something to us that has affected the way we think or the way we feel about ourselves. That's all happened to all of us. I remember my friend, he's a pastor, and he told me about a time when he was growing up. His mom and dad were getting a divorce. So he walked into the house one day and walked up to his father and told him, he said, Dad, I love you and I don't want you to go away. And his father looked right at him and said this. He said, my marriage, my children, my family has been just a big mistake. I wish I would have never gotten married. I wish I would have never had you children. All of it is just a big mistake. My friend said that he looked at his father and said, but dad, I love you. And his father looked at him and said, but I don't love you. My friend said he just sunk his head down and just walked out of the room. He said, that day my father named me. And for many years, many years, I thought of myself as a big mistake. And then my friend looked right at me and said this, Ed, Never stop telling people. Never stop telling people that they matter to God. They matter to God. You might have walked in here today feeling like you don't matter. And I want you to know that that's not true. It's not true. You matter to God. As a matter of fact, before God ever created the heavens or the earth... 
God knew about you. You were in his mind. Why do I say that? Because the scriptures tell us that. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 it says this, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see those words? In advance. Before you were ever born. Then it says over in Psalm 139 verse 16 it says this, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What's this idea that God knew everything that you were doing, had it all written down before you ever did it? Why is that? Because God is an all-knowing God. He never has to learn. You can never surprise him. So when it was your time to be born, God chose you. Yes, he created you, but he also chose you. For such a time as this, to be alive in this generation. Someone said it this way. Before God ever created the heavens and the earth, if he had a wallet, your picture would have been in it. He's known about you before there was ever a you. So God chose you for such a time as this. You could have been born in the 14, 16, 1800s. But you're sitting in that pew looking up at me because God chose you. Why? Because you matter to God. You matter to him. He desires a relationship with you. He created you for that purpose, and he chose you for that purpose. But you know what? We make a mess of things. All of us, we've made a mess of it. We've all sinned. We've all done things, said things that we wish we would have never done or ever said. We've hurt people. People have hurt us. We've really screwed it up. But you matter so much that God sent his son. And those of us who have been in church, we know that verse, John 3, 16. But think about it today. He so loved you that he sent his son, died on a cross for your sin and mine, walked out of the grave. Why? Because you matter to him. You, personally, he did this for you. Laid himself down, died a wicked death. For what reason? To forgive you, to bring you back into a right relationship. Why? Because he mattered. You matter to him. And he knows every hair on your head. He knows every one of our names. You know, we've heard the old saying, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. We know that's an absolute lie. Words do hurt us, and names can devastate us. They really can. That's why God places a great importance on names. In our passage, in our book that we're studying, 1 Chronicles, in the first nine chapters, God lists 500 plus names. 500. These names make up the official family tree of the Hebrew people, beginning with Adam, continuing to Israel's return from Israel. And God puts all those names there because each and every individual is important, and their name was important to be remembered. God places a great deal of importance on a name. We also discover in God's word that God believes that the specific name given to someone is important. We find that in the first Christmas. An angel comes to Joseph and tells him specifically what to call the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, 21, it says this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Specifically, the name Jesus. 
Then we have another example, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were having a baby. God told Zechariah to name his son John. Didn't do that. So God took his voice from him and didn't allow him to speak until the baby was born. We pick up the story in Luke chapter 1, verse 59 and 64. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. When they made signs to his father, Zechariah, to find out what he would like to name the child, he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak and praise God. So we see the importance of names. God places a great deal of importance. But we also find in the scriptures, when your name doesn't match up with God's plan, he renames people. When their name doesn't match up with his plan, he renames them. We find that in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Old Testament. We have Abram and he becomes... Abraham. Very good. Little test today. Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob becomes Israel. In the New Testament, Saul becomes Paul. Simon becomes... We find this over and over in the scriptures. God changing names because the name doesn't match his plan and he renames them. He renames it. Why? Because God knows the importance of a name. He knows a name has the power to shape your image, your character, and ultimately your destiny. Listen, the Hebrew people understood how God valued names. So they were very prayerful and careful to pray. They prayed when choosing the name of their children. In biblical times, most parents didn't choose the name of their child because of the way it sounded. They chose the name because of the meaning of the name. Parents would choose the name and hoping that their children would live up to the meaning of, their, of his or her name. In other words, some of the names were prophetic, hoping that that child would become that particular person. It's good to note here that not only did the parents and family know the meaning of the name, but so did the community. The community understood the meaning of a name. So what we've learned so far is God really places importance on names. And he knows that names are important because they shape your destiny. They shape your image, your character. But also we understood that in, in those biblical times, they, everybody in your community knew the meaning of your name. With that understanding, let's get into our passage. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, it says this. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Verse 10. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. As I studied this this week, I already told you in the first nine chapters, there's 500 names. I mean, just name after name after name after name. And then we get to chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, and boom, God shows light. 
just brings down a light, like wants to give a testimony, stops everything, gives two verses to this one guy named Jabez. I began to ask, why God? And as I prayed, what I discovered, what we're going to discover today, is that Jabez had a lot of barriers that he had to overcome in his life in order to fulfill the purpose that God has for his life. And one of those barriers was his name. Jabez's name meant sorrow bringer. Bringer of pain, literally. Bringer of pain. Understanding that everybody in your community, your family, and yourself would understand the meaning of your name. Could you imagine this little guy growing up and they'd be saying, hey, here comes pain. Oh, he's a pain. They, you know, all kinds. Of, Get away, here comes pain. Could you imagine? I wonder if this kid had any friends, right? I wonder if he could, if he ever married anybody. Could you imagine how, when he was a little boy, how he was teased because of his name. You imagine what this did to his self-esteem, his worth. How many times do you hear your name every day, every week? Every time he heard his name, it reminded him and everybody around him, he's nothing but pain. He brings pain. He's nothing but pain. Over and over again. Could never shake that label. Do you have labels that you just can't shake? This is Jabez. So what happens? Well, better question is this. Who and why would anybody call this boy Jabez? Well, the verse tells us, our passage. Verse 9 says, his mother named him. And then it says, why? I gave birth to him in pain. Now listen, I want to be sensitive to all you ladies. Really do. I've never given birth to anybody. But I know because I've experienced it with my wife, it's extremely painful. So I'm not being insensitive, but I just need to ask this question to all you ladies and all you grandmas, those of you that gave birth to children. When you gave birth to your child, would you have named that child Jabez? Knowing that everybody in the community and your son would have known the meaning of the name that had every intention to make sure that this son, this boy, grows up to match his name. Hoping that he would become what his name meant. Would you have named your children bringer of pain? I need you to respond. Yes or no? Say it loud. Yes or no? Very good. I want to make sure that we don't have anybody crazy in here. My wife, Tammy, gave birth to four kids. All four of our kids. Had a very difficult time with all four of the kids. But the first one, extremely difficult. Giving birth to our first son, Nathan. Four, 36 hours of hard labor. She almost lost her life and almost lost our child. But finally he was born. When he was born, she experienced excruciating pain. I was there. I saw it. But when that child was born, we didn't name him excruciating pain. That didn't happen. We named him Nathan because Nathan's name means gift from God. We were so grateful and thankful that our son was born. Now only God knows why this mother named her son Jabez. Why she laid him out in life like that. But I think there's more than just physical pain here. I think there's something deeper. 
You notice in the passage, she names her son. That was extremely unusual in the Old Testament especially. Because the father had the right, was the responsibility to name the sons. So why is this woman, this mother, naming her boy? And then when you look at the passage, you got 500 names. You got Jabez, but you don't have his father anywhere. Now I'm reading between the lines, but I got some insight there. I believe because the father was gone. He was out of the picture. For whatever reasons, we don't know. But because she's filled with so much pain, I believe it wasn't a good thing why he's not around. And she's left with this son, and what does she do? She doesn't want to experience the pain alone. So she passes her pain to her son. Has anybody ever tried to pass their pain to you? Try to pass their sin on to you. Has that ever happened? Has anybody ever given you a name with the idea of not just building you up, but to destroy you, to hurt you, to wound you? Has that ever happened? Have you ever done that to somebody? Have you ever given names and picked on and made fun of somebody at their expense that they couldn't change because of the way they looked and you just kept picking on it and took advantage of it? Has anybody ever done that or done that to you? I think all of us in this room, one way or the other, that's happened. And it definitely happened to Jabez. You know, when I was a young man, young boy in high school, 10th grader, I was standing at my locker, and my history teacher came up and looked at me and she said, Glover, you're nothing but a jock. And then she said this, and I'm telling you right now, you're going to amount to nothing. Turned around and walked away. I was shocked. I shut my locker and I walked down the hall for a few moments and all I could hear in my head, you're going to amount to nothing. And that, those words bounced around in my mind for about a week. Finally, I went to my parents and I said, Mom and Dad, this is what happened. They looked right at me and they said, Ed, that woman's got the problem. Don't allow it to be your problem. Good advice. She's got a problem, Ed. It's not yours. Listen, you're going to amount to something. And they were wise enough to know that when you hear a negative thought like that, that you've got to replace it with nine or ten good thoughts. So for the next six weeks, they kept telling me, you're going to amount to something. You're going to amount to something. You're going to amount to something. Well, they got me through that. I graduated from high school. I got a degree in, in teaching from college. Came back to my high school for a little while and was a substitute teacher. And I ended up teaching her class in history one day. Kind of poetic. She hated it, but I loved it. <laughs> One day I was sitting in the teacher's lounge and all of a sudden the vice principal of the school came in and announced that the history teacher had committed suicide. That really, seriously, that broke my heart. But then he said that she left a letter, a note behind. And this is what she wrote at the very end of her letter. My life isn't worth living anymore. My life has amounted 
to nothing. When I heard that man read those words, I thought to myself, wow, wonder if I would have listened to her. That I could have become like her. And I realized that that woman was passing her pain onto me. She was trying to determine my destiny. And I remember sitting there then, and I was all this week, as I was studying, thanking God. Thanking God for him, and thanking God for God's word, and thanking God for my mom and dad. Because they cheered me on to a different destiny. Parents, grandparents, if you don't cheer your kids and grandkids on, who will? Most of the time, not the experts. Be careful about those who call themselves the experts. Listen to this. Beethoven's music teacher said this about him. As a composer, he's hopeless. Thomas Edison was a young boy. His teacher said he was so stupid, he could never learn anything. Never learn anything. Walt Disney was once fired by a newspaper editor because he was thought to have no good ideas. Westinghouse was called a fool by the experts for daring to think that a massive train could be stopped by wind. Westinghouse air brakes are still used the world over today. Could you imagine if those young men would have listened listened to the experts? Where they would have been? Thank God they had somebody in their life that was cheering them on. Cheering them on. Listen, moms, dads, grandparents, be very careful about what you say to your kids and what you say about them. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Work real hard on speaking kind. Stay away from words that are abusive. You know, our country has become extremely hateful. Anger, bitterness, resentment, critical. It's amazing to me. The vile, the things that are said. You know, in, this, in the fruits of the Spirit, it says love, joy, peace, patience. Say it loud. Say it like you mean it. Very good. Wouldn't it be great if we were people who spoke kindly to one another? Wouldn't it be a wonderful place to be that when people would meet you, they would, be feel, they would feel built up, cheered on, encouraged? Oh, man. In America, we need that witness. Oh, God, we need that witness. How about it, folks? Let's work on that. Let's be kind. So as you look at the scriptures here, you see that you go, wow, okay. But Jabez, he responds. 
First the mother says, I named him Jabez, saying I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez responds in verse 10, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. I am convinced that Jabez realized that the God of Israel ultimately had the right to define him. Not his mother or anyone else. God had the right to define him because it wasn't mother nature or even his mom and dad that made him. God created him. He used his mom and dad to make him, but God created him in his mother's womb. God created him, chose him, made him for a purpose, and he mattered to God. And somewhere along the line, Jabez realized that. And he said, I don't care what anybody says or thinks of me. The ultimate one at the last day, the only one that really matters, is God himself. And he cares for me. And I also, real, I also am convinced that Jabez realized that his mother had a problem, not him. And somewhere along the line, he decided to not allow her sin to be his sin. He finally came to a place and he said, I'm not going to be a victim of my mother or a victim of her sin or even a victim of my name. I am going to be renamed. I am going to follow after God. I might not have a father. I might, might, might be fatherless. But the scriptures tell us that God is the father of the fatherless. And somehow Jabez understood that and said, God, please bless me. And God blessed him. What does it mean when he says, bless me? You know, we say, bless my food. Or when someone sneezes, we say, bless you. You know, we used to say, God bless you. It's amazing. How come God got dropped out of that? Listen, don't let the culture stop you from saying that name. Huh? How about if we bring back that? When everybody sneezes, we start saying, God bless you. But that's not what we're talking about. What's going on is what Jabez is asking for. He's asking for God's powerful miraculous, supernatural favor. He's asking for God's favor. What he's saying here, he's saying this, God, give to me something that I cannot do for myself, something that I cannot give to myself. Rather, give to me your unlimited goodness and power that you will do beyond what I could think or ask. That's what Jabez is saying. Bless me, God, the only way that you can. And then he prayed three, th three things. He prayed for provision, presence, and protection. First, provision. He prayed that God would enlarge his territory. He would give him more responsibility so he could be a blessing. He prayed that God's hand would be with him. He asked for God's presence because he knew there was no way he could do what God was asking him to do without him. Then he prayed that God would keep him. He would protect him from pain, that he would no longer bring pain, and he would no longer experience pain. And God answered his, his request. In other words, God renamed him from bringer of pain to bringer of blessing. He was one who was going to bless. God did that for Jabez. And that's why we find him in the scriptures. He was radical in his day, and we keep, keep speaking about him Thousands of years later, let me ask you a question this morning. Look right here. What's your name? What's your name, Christian?
This is what the Bible says. In John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, talking about Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. You were created by God. But the only way you became a child of the living God is when you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. In that moment, the Bible says you were born again of the Spirit. In that moment, you went from darkness to light. You went from hell bound to heaven. You were all of a sudden, in that moment, you were brought out of Satan's control and you were brought into a right relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ. You became a new person in that moment. You took on a new identity. But you also were, were given the Spirit of God. That's what brought you into a relationship with God. We were severed because of our sin, but because of Christ, now we were brought back into a right relationship. This is what it says in Romans eight sixteen: The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And what happened? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away, behold, all things have become new. In other words, in that moment, you took on a new identity when you came to know Christ. The old man, the old self, died and buried, and now you came alive in Christ Jesus. It, and, and when you came alive in Christ Jesus, this is what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ. So when you look at the epistles, you find that you're always greeted this way. You're either greeted by saying, to the saints in Philippi, the saints in Ephesus, or the holy ones. Do you know that's, your, that's who you are now? That's your new name? Before God, you stand before God as a saint. Holy ones, as if you've never sinned. Why? Because you're hidden in Christ. This was you before you came to know Christ. God saw everything, all your sin. All he saw was your darkness. But then Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, walked out of the grave. And in that moment when you received Christ, the light came and hid you. Darkness is gone. All that God sees is the righteousness of Christ in you. His righteousness, his light. You are forgiven as if you've never sinned. He sees you standing there, not as a sinner, but as a saint. That is who you are in Christ Jesus. That is your new identity. That's what he has done for you. And if you live any differently than that, you're living under a false identity. And living under a false identity is against the law. The old man is dead and buried. You and I are come alive in his spirit in the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. Old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. Do you know your names? Do you know who you are now that you are in Christ Jesus? If you'd like to, I'd like you to close your eyes and just hear these names. This is who you are now that you are part of the family of God. Listen to these names. You are a child of God, chosen one, son and daughter of God. You are a new creation. You're a saint. You're God's workmanship. You're a citizen of heaven. You're hidden with Christ. You're dearly loved, justified, forgiven, given the mind of Christ. You belong to God, anointed. You are sealed by God in Christ. You are a bringer of blessing. You're guaranteed an inheritance. 
You are righteous. You are blessed. You are chosen. You're redeemed. You're alive with Christ. You're delivered. You're rescued from the dominion of darkness. You're completed. You're buried. You're raised. You're made alive in Christ. You're saved. You're called according to his purpose. You've become an overcomer, more than a conqueror. You are freed from condemnation. I mean, I can go on and on and on. That's who you are. Listen, go out of here today, do everything you can to live that out in the power of his spirit and according to his word. But when you go out of here, know that there are people all around you that are in desperate need of knowing that they could be free. Free from the pain of their own sin and the pain that people have caused them. But let me say this to the one of you maybe that's right here today. You're looking at me and you're saying, hey, Pastor Ed, I'm not really sure I know Jesus. I've grown up in the church. I'm coming to church. Someone dragged me to church today. But man, when you were speaking, I could relate to that. Look right here. It's not by chance that you're sitting in this room today or watching me online. You matter to God. And he wants to have a relationship with you. He really does. What's keeping you from surrendering to the one who just called you all those names? What is it that you want? What? Surrender yourself to him. He's the only one that truly will love you and care for you and won't destroy you. Anything and everything else will. Look around. We have a God who created us and chose us and loves you with the deepest love. Surrender to him. He wants to help you break through. Pray this prayer with me. If you'd like to know for certain that you have eternal life, or maybe you're here today and saying, Pastor Ed, I'm recommitting myself to Christ today. Wherever you are, just know this. Religion killed Jesus. Religion killed him. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about a living Christ who's alive in this room. Do you understand what I just said? We are talking about a living Jesus Christ that's in this room. And he wants to help you. Just talk to him. Let me lead you. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me. I'm asking you to this day, I'm committing myself to you this day. I'm asking you to be my Savior and my Lord. People have hurt me. I've hurt others. God, stop the sin in my life. Clean me up. Give me a new future. Give me a new beginning. Give me a fresh new start. Do it today in your name. I ask you to forgive me, cleanse me, fill me with your spirit that I will begin to live for you. Clean up my mind. Clean up my mouth. Clean up my attitude. Help me to bring life, hope, help, and healing to the people around me. For Lord, I ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, there'll be people up here that will pray with you later. I'll be out in the foyer. 
or out at the cafe, come talk to me. I'd like to know that God spoke to you and I'll guarantee you this. I will pray for you. Guarantee you this week, I will pray your name to God. We love you here. We're so thankful for you. Let's be kind. God bless you.